Your company's future success demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Daphne Luchtenberg, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. It seems increasingly clear that there's a labor mismatch across industries and across sectors. And as well as key frontline sectors such as truck drivers and line operators, there's also a marked gap in digital talent available. Only 1% of supply chain leaders report having sufficient talent in-house to support their increased digitization. That's down 10% in 2020. The pioneers of the fourth industrial revolution have learned that human capabilities that are critical when organizations wish to adopt advanced digital technologies successfully. For example, at Coca-Cola, our guests here today on McKinsey Talks Operations, they have established a digital academy to upskill managers and frontline team leaders across their business operations. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ian McLaughlin, VP of Commercial Product Supply, and Gigi Phillips, Transformation Director, both from the Coca-Cola company. I'm also joined by Roberta Migliorini, a partner in McKinsey's operations practice. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Roberto, can I turn to you first to help sketch out the context a bit more? We know that supply chain disruption is a topic of the day, and we've heard much about digital and analytics and how they can be a driver to build resilience in operations and drive performance as well. And learnings are constantly building. What's the latest thinking in this area? Yeah, Daphne, I mean, supply chain disruption is definitely the topic of the day, or we can say of the last two years, right? And it seems disruption are building on each other. What we see today is a crazy inflationary environment with a lot of pressure on input, on cost, microeconomic volatility, as well as a lot of political uncertainty. And this builds on a situation that was already pretty difficult from a supply chain standpoint, that is the post-COVID reality, with significant shift in the consumer behaviors, labor shortages, and uh, supply chain disruption overall in logistics and uh, global freight. So digital analytics are becoming more and more important for the organization to be able to tackle such a difficult period. And we think that this will become even more important in the future. We know that more than 90% of the supply chain leaders we survey as McKinsey cannot keep up today with the elevated demand because of supply chain disruption. And we know that uh, that disruption are happening in average every 3.7 years with a, a month worth of disruption that can really impact almost the full year habit. And so we do see that embarking in a digital transformation journey is now becoming extremely important for the supply chain organization in order to survive in this very difficult period. And Ian, how has a global organization such as Coca-Cola been thinking about the adoption of digital and analytics to accommodate these supply chain challenges? Well, just a a word about what we do. Commercial product supply manufactures and distributes concentrate and beverage base. And that is the fundamental ingredient that we make our finished beverages for. We operate from 18 plants, literally all over the world, and we ship to about a, a thousand ship to locations of our bottling partners in 170 countries. So clearly at the height of our concern at the moment is continuity of supply. If we don't have concentrate and beverage base with our bottling partners, then we can't produce finished product. 
And you can imagine that even in good times, when the supply chain is consistent and predictable, it is challenging to manage this operation. So in the current environment, it's extremely challenging indeed, with very, very high levels of volatility. But we are actively using digital and analytics in many ways to help us through um, the current disruption that we're facing. One of the things that has been most helpful to us is that early in 2021, we built a digital twin of our manufacturing network to support business continuity planning, as well as network optimization. Previously, we had relied on experience, we had relied on know-how within the organization in order to do business continuity planning. But by digitizing it, we actually brought all of the data together into a single model, which has helped us enormously in reacting to situations during the pandemic. As you can imagine, we've had to react to ingredient shortages, border closures, and various other disruptions. And the good thing about the model is it takes the human bias out of the analytics and the decision-making and has really opened our mind to possibilities for continuity of supply that we had never considered before. So I think really relying on data and analytics there has been a tremendous benefit to us and the organization. That's fantastic. And Ian, of course, speed is of the essence in those scenarios that you've sketched out. So I imagine that's another uh, dimension that um, this technology has brought to you. Yes, absolutely. I, I think, you know, given that we are in a very short cycle from kind of supply of concentrate to actually being present in the market with the finished product, it's very important that we can react quickly. And I would say analytics and the capability of the digital twin have helped us do that on ingredient supply. We've been able to see where the hotspots were and react much more quickly and with a greater de degree of accuracy to make sure we had the ingredients that we need where we need them. Fantastic. Roberto, we've often talked about pilot purgatory, certainly when it comes to embedding these kind of transformations. Can you talk more about how a phenomenon like pilot purgatory can hold a company back? Absolutely. And uh, we had the opportunity to work with the World Economic Forum on scanning across the globe more than 10,000 plant sites, company that were trying to achieve a, a difference in performance thanks to Industry 4.0. And what we have discovered is that often they were successful. Many companies have been successful in driving successful pilots. However, the main challenge was how do you scale these pilots across the different lines in a plant or across the different plants in the organization to achieve significant impact that is valuable for the business? Yeah. And Ian, just come back to you. Did you kind of hit a moment where there was a bit of pilot purgatory when you were first kind of embedding the adoption of this technology? Fortunately not. And, and the reason I would say is we had done a lot of research and pre-work to understand the potential impact of, of Industry 4.0. And we did that, you know, as part of our overall planning for the transformation. And so we, we were aware of the pitfalls of pilot purgatory. But pilots are still important, right? You have to understand if there's value, where the value is, and how you can capture that value. Pilots have an important role to play. And we did one, a significant pilot at our largest facility in Ireland. But having done that and having seen the fact that there was tremendous value to be captured, what we then did was take 
time out to plan the strategy. So we always started from a viewpoint that we were taking this across the network. And therefore, by the time we started executing the strategy, we already knew we were going to multiple sites. And that has really helped us to move at speed and scale. So pilots are important. I'm not dismissing them, but pilots for the sake of pilots are not going to get you the transformation that you might be aiming for. Yeah, that's super helpful. And and Gigi, if you don't mind, I'd like to bring you in as the transformation director, who presumably instrumental in, in making some of these things a success. I understand that, you know, the digital academy that you built really helped to avoid the purgatory trap and to help with the transformation and the dissemination of the plans and getting everyone to buy in. Can you talk a little bit about how you went about setting up the Digital Academy to support this transformation? We worked with a team of experts to build the framework for a Digital Academy and and launched the Digital Academy in July of last year. Our Digital Academy is designed really to build foundational knowledge and skills on core digital analytics and agile topics so that our associates can be successful operating in in a digital world. All of our 3,000-odd employees across CPS will be participating in the, in the academy. In terms of uh, the design mechanics, we grouped all the roles within the organization into six cohorts based on learning needs and used a very structured approach to develop customized learning journeys for each of the um, cohorts. Across the six learning journeys, we developed 25 unique modules covering three major areas. The first area is around creating awareness and and excitement. Secondly, uh, around transformation skills. And the third, around digital and analytics skills. Everyone in CPS will be participating in four basic modules. Firstly, around transformation kickoff, which is the presentation, followed by an e-learning digital explorer module, then training around data and analytics and new ways of working, about 15 hours of training in in total. Then depending on their role, they'll undertake further training in modules that are being tailored for their cohorts. Typically, associates would start their learning journey about a month before deployment of key digital transformation initiatives in their operation. So in essence, our associates are taking quite a staggered start to their learning journey. By the time that all of our associates have gone through and completed their learning journeys, we estimate that we would have run over 7,000 training events and completed over 60,000 hours of training. Amazing. Yeah, Ian. It's the single biggest investment we've ever made in training, right? And and the reality is, as as I said, we have a phenomenally engaged team in CPS. It really is a, a huge asset to the business. And so to bring them on the journey and, and maintain the current high levels of engagement that we have was incredibly important to us. And, and we see the investment in Digital Academy as being instrumental in building the skills of the team. Yeah, I can see how that worked. And, and these levels of engagement are just amazing to see. Gigi, how did the organization strike the balance between, you know, building the skills of the existing cohort and bringing in expertise to actually drive knowledge transfer? The um, broad range of digital technologies that we're seeking to adopt as part of the transformation will fundamentally change the way we work, right? So a significant number of existing roles in CPS will require 
new knowledge and new skills and several new roles with competencies that we don't currently have will also need to be created. We're seeking to bridge the skills gap and, and deliver the workforce diversity that's needed to tackle the challenges ahead, primarily through uh, reskilling right? and, and um, through the Digital Academy initiative. And, and this decision is, is really not only driven by the current talent shortage that's really making it very, very difficult to hire you know, new, new talent, but also because uh, reskilling contributes to the, the learning culture that we're trying to uh, build in, in the organization. And this you know, culture of continuous uh, learning can pay dividends on, on the employee uh, front. And, and reskilling also makes financial sense because it's obviously cheaper to uh, reskill current employees than, than hire a new ones. So primary focus is, is on reskilling, but we are also bringing in new talent with skills that uh, we need for, for future that we don't currently have. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, a great example of that would be uh, data scientists. You know, the organization never had data scientists because we weren't looking at data across the network. We were looking at analytics and metrics at an individual plant level. But what we are finding is that by really looking at the data in a different way with people with the real skills, we're driving considerable value for that. So it's, it really is working very well to drive the transformation. You know, you're well down the road in this transformation journey. Your people are coming with you. What are some of the surprises and the things that you learned? It sounds like you were you had a fantastic and robust plan at the outset. Anything that surprised you and what you've learned? Gigi, and I'll ask that for you first. Not sure that there's been anything really surprising. I, I think our key learning has been that, you know, they're delivering a, a holistic tech-enabled transformation requires a, a number of building blocks, right? And these include, you know, having a very clear roadmap, as well as, as a clear change story that uh, needs to be cascaded through the organization. The second building block is, is, is around talent. I mean, we spoke about reskilling process and, and also bringing in talent uh, with skills that we need for the future, but also, you know, having a structured program in terms of building skills throughout the whole organization is, is important. The sort of third building block is, is around an agile delivery methodology. You know, how do you bring the new ways of working very quickly into the organization and have this very fast-paced iterative process that, that's very much value-focused? Uh, value and then, you know, the building block on, on technology, right? Uh, we need to bring in new technology to ensure that we are maximizing the business impact of, of the transformation. Ian spoke about data and data analytics. Data and data analytics is, is going to become key in terms of future performance. So having, you know, organizing the, the, the data, structuring it so that we can actually do higher end uh, analytics is, is also a fundamental uh, building block in terms of the transformation. And then the, the last piece is, is around having a very structured process in terms of adopting and scaling uh, the use cases across the organization. So, you know, how do you build systems, processes, as well as, as tools and, and the whole change management principles, incorporating that into the process. So, you know, having these sort of six uh, key building blocks have been a key learning for us. 
Got it. Thanks for sharing. It's a really helpful framework. Roberto, what do you find some best practices in the industry on on these big transformation programs? It was very interesting to hear from Gigi because I can really see some of the best practices that we, we see from the leading companies that are managing to successfully drive impact out of uh, this transformation. And one aspect that we keep seeing is technology is hard, but this is the easiest part in the transformation. The transformation is indeed a transformation. As a such, it's important that you prepare the organization. And the organization needs to be prepared across what is the change story, what is the reason where we go after, as well as how do you equip the whole organization, how do you build the capability to go after. And so you move actually thousands and thousands of people with you. What we have seen really as the secret recipe in this tech-enabled transformation is the focus on the transformation together with an agile approach to technology. This second aspect on agile approach to technology is fundamental in order to make the ROI work over the transformation and not get stuck in a multi-year investment without seeing impact back. Got it. Ian? One of my best surprises has been just how willing people have been to adopt new methods and new, new technologies. We come from a very established business which was reliant on legacy technology. And some of that legacy technology made it difficult to get things done. And we saw that in our regular engagement uh, surveys, you know, so actually improving the technology, making people's lives easier, making it easier to connect and get things done has had a fantastic impact in those sites where we've implemented the technology. So I wouldn't underestimate the willingness or indeed the the hunger for frontline workers to change in, in this kind of transformation. We found that to be one of our key strengths. And Ian, I imagine that you actually also managed, you were able to involve them in shaping the change too, right? Absolutely. In shaping the change, in executing the change. And and one of the nice things I had, uh, experiences I had before Christmas was demonstrating the change. You know, finally, after two years of operation, we were able to inaugurate our newest plant in the network in Costa Rica. And for me to see our frontline workers talk directly about how they're using the technology and how that's improving what we do was incredible. I mean, so exciting, so energizing. So what were some of the other impacts on operations in, in, in terms of performance and improvement? And Gigi, I, I was going to ask you, so wh- what are some of the real results you've seen of the transformation so far? So in, in, in terms of um, you know, the, the manufacturing space, we, we are seeing an improvement in, in productivity between the, the 10 and, and 20 percentage points. Across the supply chain, there is an improvement in, in terms of you know, service levels and you know, reduction in, in terms of you know, obsolescence and write-offs. Right. And you must have also made some lasting changes to the operating model, right? To the, how the teams are, are interacting together as well. At Coca-Cola, we're on a journey to become a networked organization. And we have used our transformation as a way really to turbocharge that within CPS. We've always worked uh, globally because we are codependent for manufacturing. You know, sometimes we have to help other plants react to crises. But we've really used the technology in a way such that we have many of the plants in the network working together to solve problems. And, and also when we design solutions, 
we design them at scale so that we can take those across the network as opposed to the teams in one plant building solutions for that plant. And we've seen in Singapore a production scheduling uh, tool built that is now being scaled across the world. In Costa Rica, we've seen a prior-to-use app, which is really helping in terms of quality, built in Costa Rica, but now being rolled out across the world. So I think it really gives you the opportunity to work at scale and as a network, and that is one of the key benefits that we are seeing. Roberto, where have you seen things go wrong when those operating models are not in sync? What we have uh, seen working with several companies we have seen two extremes. One, when there is a, a too much centralized approach, especially with a big focus on tech, engineering, and IT. And the opposite side, when there is a decision to leave each plant driving the transformation on their own. And so in the first instances, what we see is the development of amazing application from an engineering and technology perspective, but no pull from the sides, no pull from the operation. And so the issue is, if you have an amazing app that no one's going to use, the impact is not going to happen. On the opposite side, what we are seeing is some company went on with giving a lot of freedom to each plant to develop their own uh, solutions with very limited coordination. And while this brings some impact, what we see is that you leave on the table two big my aspect. One is synergies. So in terms of, you know, investment and cost of developing new solutions. And the second one is the sharing of best practice. And so, as you can imagine, not all the plan can get the best ideas on all the applications. So you definitely achieve better results when you use the brain of everybody in the organization for each solution. That's great. Ian, you talked about the, the fantastic engagement that you've had right across the organization. And I'm curious... Was that the same at all levels of the organization? And how did you make sure that the senior leaders were also along the journey and perhaps also had to transform a little bit? How did that work? That's a very interesting question. I, I would say in the beginning, we had a spectrum of commitment. Let's call it that. You know, some who were early adopters and some who were laggards. But we felt it was really important that, that if we were investing in building the capability, that everyone had to invest in themselves and in building the capability for the organization. So as a, as a leadership team, we all went through digital fundamentals, for example, so that we understood how we could frame it and think about it from our own perspective, but also how we could have the appropriate, consistent conversations with our team. There is an excitement and commitment at all levels of the organization to prepare and adopt the change. Mm. And Gigi? You know, in, in terms of the learning journeys, we engaged associates at, at all levels from the very early stages of the design phase of, of the, the Digital Academy. You know, and this, this um, engagement included um, many hours of, of interviews. So we interviewed the extended leadership team. Um, we also interviewed, you know, associates at, at uh, all the different levels of the organization. And I think this, these sets of interviews helped us to identify the, the training requirements, and it gave us great input into what was required to develop the, the, the training content. From the onset, our aim was to create a very fun, experiential learning journey for associates at all levels of the organization. And I think, um, you know, we have met this, this ambition. And everybody rolled up their sleeves, did they? Absolutely. <laughs> As they got into the uh, learning journey... I think they wanted more. 
we haven't had any pushback per, per se. You know, all the feedback that we've had to date has been very positive. The only push that we've had so far is is that for us to actually accelerate the rollout of, of content and, and the training, which is a very positive sign. <laughs> I love it. Well, it sounds like a, a great success story and a great journey, but still longer to go and much more to achieve. So thank you for sharing that with us. Roberta, I just wanted to come to you really with a, what, what's the final thought as we've been listening to this conversation for, you know, um, our listeners out there who are in organizations who are considering this type of big digital transformation programs. I think we touched on many interesting point and some recommendation throughout the, this podcast. But one point that worth mentioning is the desire and the commitment of the leadership at the beginning to make this work. Because it's not an easy journey and it needs commitment and conviction across the whole organization. And what we see is that this requires at the beginning a big push from the top management to happen and to happen successfully. And Ian, what advice would you give to a peer at your level first embarking on this? How brave do they need to be? Oh, I would say undoubtedly you have to be brave. If you think that we embarked on this during the pandemic, so traditionally we would have been in the plants working with the teams on the front line. We did it all virtually. So I would say these things don't work based on incrementality. Be bold, you know, take the time to develop a holistic strategy for the transformation. Engage the team in that because ultimately you're dependent on the team to execute it. It can't be executed from a central function. And, and, and then, of course, monitor the execution, make sure your metrics are in place and course correct where you have to. You're not going to get it perfect first time. Um, but if you're not bold in the beginning, you run the risk of ending up in pilot purgatory. So know where you're going. It's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Mm. Well, I don't know, Gigi. What would be a final word from you? I, I support everything, but that both Roberto as, as well as uh, Ian has uh, have said. You know, the key piece here is is be be bold. We won't have all the answers. We didn't have all the answers as as we embarked on on this transformation uh, process and. We learned along the way and, and continue to learn along the way and, and continue to adjust and um, adapt our transformation program as, as we um, move through this, this process. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, guys, with those final thoughts. Uh, your experience is truly inspirational and, and I hope that many of our listeners will have taken heart from the successes that you've reaped so far. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Roberto, for being with us today. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Daphne Luchtenberg. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back with a brand new episode in a couple of weeks.